Welcome to the new year. I have a lot going on. I am working on so many different things. I have this TikTok channel that's kind of getting really popular. I already started my YouTube channel that I wanted to have for um, gaming. That's been growing, you know, slowly but surely. You know, I'm just one of a million. Um, I continue to write. I continue to work on so many different things. And I just wanted to make sure I found time to also sit down and do this stuff that I love doing, which is talking about, you know, movies, doing stuff for this podcast, this podcast that I love so dearly. It's one of the first things that I was actually able to stick to as far as what my essential goals are in life, I guess you can say. However, you know, I get caught up, you know, you have so many things on your plate, you know, I'm a father, you know, I work full time. You try to do the best you can, and with that, you know, you watch a lot of things. I think I've said it in previous entries that I have a whole laundry list of things that I still have to do entries for that I have, you know, a little notepad on my desk that I keep, and it's got a list of all these movies that I've watched as they have been kind of coming out, and I keep track of them, and I know I have to do entries on this, that, and the third, and, you know, a lot of those happen to be documentary films, so I figured let's kick off the new year with this kind of rundown of some of my, like, I wouldn't say favorite, but, like, the ones that I have watched that I find a lot of enjoyment out of, and even just the ones that I, like, feel like I haven't spoken about. And this is going to be one long entry just regarding the Netflix series documentaries. They are doing so good with those documentaries. Every single one of them just has this little niche thing about it that I just feel like, wow, like... How is Netflix the one that decided to pick up on this and make something out of it? I think that there are certain ones that are a little bit blown up too much. And I do feel like there are ones that are out there that are really, really good. And I'm not sitting here saying I've seen every documentary. I'm only going to go over about maybe 20 or so right now. Simply because these are the ones that I want to talk about. And I figured we get uh, one obvious one out of the way. Uh, the Making, uh, Making a Murderer. That premiered few years ago i want to say it originally released in i think 2014 to 2015 i never really cared for it at first but i do know that this like blew up and the entire world knew about it and i'm just gonna say this right off the bat i'm not a person who hates things because they're popular i'm just a person that doesn't follow everybody else and i'm gonna watch it on my time not when the rest of the people say at like my job or in my family are like, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. Like I'm going to watch it when I want to, because maybe I'll like it. Maybe I won't, but I'm not going to let the world dictate to me what I like. That's why I do this podcast because I watch things that I like and I find things in movies that aren't necessarily liked vastly. I find things I really enjoy about them. And then there are things that are widely popular that I agree with, but I also wind up catching things like, you know, making a murderer. Making a murderer, I'm not, like, I'm very middle of the road with this. It's very much up there as a really crazy story, but it's also like, I don't think it's as big of a deal, especially with the second season that came out a couple of years ago. That, to me, is just... You know, it's kind of this epitome of what happens when something like this gets overly popularized. And this is very much a, a show that really took the world by storm. 
And it is it is a tremendous story. The story in and of itself is wild as all hell. But, you know, because it, it isn't the, the story isn't finished yet, people are still expecting more. Like, this isn't a sitcom. This isn't, you know, the next Game of Thrones. This is somebody's actual life and what he's actually going through. Do I believe this guy did it or not, truthfully? I don't know. I, I'm really on the fence with whether or not Stephen Avery was really, you know, is really guilty. All I know is the first season, great. The second season, I'm kind of like, I, I don't care anymore. That That's my personal opinion on it. I cared about it for a second. I don't care about it anymore. If another season come out comes out, you, you guaranteed I'm going to watch it. But that's just because I want to see it to fruition. You know, it's like watching a bad, you know, movie trilogy, you know, or watching bad episodes of a show. You got to get through them in order to find, you know, the ending and whatnot. So, it, again, this isn't bad, but it's good. It's it's not, you know, top of the food chain for me. Another one that I feel kind of fell off of me a little bit was definitely Tiger King. Now, Tiger King, I'm, a, I'm right on the boat with everybody else. I watched it at the same time everybody else did. I was right there at the beginning of the pandemic, losing my fucking mind over this guy with all of his t- cats and all these other stories and every every which way and another. This That story is out there. It is so crazy to think that that guy, everything that that guy did was real life. And the fact that we didn't hear about it until now. Like, you're talking years, years of what this guy's life was. And nobody heard about it until he's already kind of like incarcerated. And I'm guessing maybe that was because, you know, Netflix heard it. And that's the thing. Netflix is the kind of people that they're going to go out there and find these stories and make shows about them. You know, there was the the original season that started up right at the beginning of the pandemic when everybody went into lockdown. It was crazy. Then they had this special that came out, which was kind of whack. Then they had season two, which kind of went a little bit deeper into the storyline. But then they did an even better show that I think an even better path that I feel like they should have went down, which was they did the, the, uh, the doc Antle story, which only was about three episodes. But I think that is just as much of an interesting story, interesting story as the Joe exotic story. All these guys, all of these guys are friggin' out of, out there and just all deserve to have the spotlight shined on them until something else happens, you know? And just like I'll say with, um, uh, what did I just talk about? Murder, uh, making a murderer. Whether or not Carol Baskin did kill her husband, I don't know. But I'm on the boat to say that she did. I think she 100% killed her husband. And I'm definitely going to leave it at that. Um, Another one that just is sort of, maybe you won't give it a, sh- give it a shot unless you hear somebody talk about it. The worst roommate ever. To me, this is a collection of um, four different stories. One story is in two parts because of how long it is. You didn't need to do this as a series. These could have each been their own documentary, and it would have been great. These stories follow just these really, again, out there ideas that you never would have thought possible until somebody digs it up and finds it in an archive somewhere. So, the, like, say, say for example, the first episode is, call, is um, called Call Me Grandma. And it's about this woman who was boarding up like homeless men and then 
murdering them slowly by like poisoning them and like really like winding them down. And then she was burying them in the backyard. I think they found like 30 bodies in this lady's little like, you know, two story house somewhere in the middle of the country. You know, all this stuff happens in the middle of the country for the most part or on the other side of the country. Uh, Then there's also the second episode is um, be careful of the quiet ones who is about this uh, the student. I don't remember. Be careful of the quiet ones. What I do remember is Marathon Man, which is the one right after that. I had watched this a while ago, so I don't remember all of them. But the Marathon Man is a crazy one because not only was he just, you know, nothing too out there as far as like murdering anybody, but it's just what he was doing. It was this guy who was running this scheme to run marathons overseas and trying to get people to like like support him and he was pretending he was one one race when he was actually another and he had gotten these roommates and he was very violent with them and he had stolen money from them it's just this really crazy crazy fucking story i don't remember roommate wanted that's the very um last one i think it has to do with somebody who's like this serial squatter if you don't know what a squatter is it's a person who resides in a household and they don't pay anything and you know there's laws that state if you're there for a certain amount of time it is technically considered your domicile so that that's essentially what a squatter is and the story about this dude it lasted the last two episodes and again i don't remember it quite well off the top of my head but it was you know out there definitely the one that stuck out to me the most is the very first one so the first one hooks you is worth getting into the rest of them now, uh, with that, I mean, I guess we can keep the run along lines with the series, because there are some that are just standalone, just one kind of, um, they're kind of just one-offs. Then they started doing this thing recently where they turn these documentaries into, like, mini-series, and they make them episodic, but it doesn't really make sense. Like, here's one that's very recent. It's um, uh, Pepsi Where's My Jet, which is a really interesting story about a guy who challenged uh, the Pepsi commercial, the Pepsi company, when the commercial came out for Pepsi points, and they were promoting the ability to get an actual fighter jet. And they didn't think anybody would take it seriously. Lo and behold, one guy in all of America decides he wants to take it seriously. So it's this four-episode journey about what it was like for him, and he, he uh, he took Pepsi to court, and he tried to win, and it's just this whole big runaround. I'm not going to spoil for you whether or not he does get it, but what I will say is that it does shine a little bit of light on some other stuff that Pepsi has done when it comes to their marketing, because, you know, you try to win, you know, the Soda Wars, but it's also, why this? Why was this four episodes long? Like, like these, these episodes didn't range for much. It went from, like, 36 minutes to, like, 40 minutes. You could have just put all that together, maybe take some of the fodder out that wasn't necessary. And this could have been just a standalone, you know, documentary, a one-off. But no, they just do this series now because I think that's how the it all works now that they have to continue to watch more often. And that's what gets them more money. I don't know. All I know is that it was very enjoyable and I don't think it needed to be a series. Uh, here's another one that uh, was a series. It's actually led into i think two two different series if i remember correctly so we'll do we'll do this one first the toys that made us and that's 
that's just something that I hold dear to my heart because it's just thinking about all these toys from my childhood. And a lot of these kids during this generation, they're just not going to get these toys. They're not going to get anything like these toys. Yes, they have their own things. They have things that are still kind of around from that era. You know, like this this um, documentary has three seasons. One goes into like Legos. Legos is still very prominent. One goes into Transformers. Transformers is still pre- very prominent. Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles, these are all still very prominent in, like, you know, everyday life. You know, Barbie, My Little Pony. They go into all of these different toys. It's just about how they were made back then is vastly different than how they're made now. How these kids play with toys and how these kids get toys is really different from my generation, which is basically what this talks about. It talks about toys from the 80s and the 90s, all based around these cartoons, all basically cartoons made to sell toys and you know it just goes to show you what like it's what what it was like for us and like yeah maybe you think your toys now are better but those toys are just they 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 withstand time you know what i mean and again it's three seasons long it's about 12 episodes i already mentioned a couple of them what else does it go into it goes into um i think it was like uh, you know uh, wrestling toys it goes into star trek toys it goes into Hello Kitty, G.I. Joe, He-Man, Star Wars. It goes into all this whole history of all these toys. And it's just so much fun. And I just, I love it so much. And I hope we get another one. We haven't gotten one in, I want to say, two years or three years. Like, they, they could easily make more. They made one in 2017, one in 2018, and one in 2019, I want to say. That's the three in a row. I haven't heard anything about a fourth season but I would so love a fourth season. That would be tremendous um, if they did that. So now, just so we all know, this is also the spin-off series. I thought this is what came first, but it's not actually. I'm actually looking at the Wikipedia now. Um, this is the spin-off series of the movies that made us, which I also want to get into because that to me is also tremendous because of course we're talking about movies. This whole, you know, this whole thing is about movies. And there are movies that I consider movies that made me, you know, a lot of the movies that made me are movies like the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first Batman, Tombstone. I don't like any Westerns. I love Tombstone with fucking Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer. And it's just, that's just a great movie. Like these are movies that made me. And some of these movies, this, this show goes into and they're great. They really are like great movies that they're talking about. They talk about Home Alone. They talk about Ghostbusters. They talk about Die Hard. That's just in the first season. Then it goes into Jurassic Park and how what they did for Jurassic Park and all the animatronics and the and the upgrades that they were doing to like special effects. Jurassic Park was a milestone in movie making. And I love the first Jurassic Park. It's fucking fantastic. Uh, what else they do? They do the first Halloween, Forrest Gump. They do Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah, they did a whole, well, no, most of this, because it came out in, in Halloween time, most of this was about um, Halloween movies. Which, funny story, I was actually at a Halloween, um, not a Halloween, a horror movie convention that they used to hold in uh, New York City, the uh, New York Horror Film Festival. I've gone to a bunch of those. I unfortunately haven't been to it in a while because, you know, living in a different state. This is when I used to live in New York. Pandemic, it's kind of shut a lot of things down. I know one of the guys who runs it, and I know he's also the same guy who runs and owns the bed and breakfast in the house where the first um, Hannibal movie, Silence of the Lambs, takes place. Uh, the house where 
they he buries the the woman in the in the well in the basement and that whole movie i know that guy he also runs the new york horror film festival i've been to the horror film festival when the director and writer of the first film the first friday the 13th film sean cunningham he was there and this is one of these things that i love about when it comes to perspective is that this, one of these people in the audience stood up and they asked him verbatim, like, is there this secret meaning that you wrote into your scripts in regards to, you know, the meaningfulness behind ch- teenagers having premarital sex and the words being a symbolism of virginity and this, that, and the third. And he just went into this really in-depth philosophy. And Sean Cunningham, fucking legend, he looks, he looks at this guy and he goes, dude, I just wrote a horror movie. Like, I just wanted to write a scary movie. Like, that's all I really sort of was doing. Like, I I don't... If this is how people interpret it, by all means, that's your thing. But it's not what I was doing, and I'm sorry if that burst your bubble. Like, that's what he said! And that's fucking legend to me, because it is all about perspective. And that's one of the reasons why I like talking about films. I love filmography. I love... I love cinematography. I love good directors. I love good writers. I follow film. That's my thing. Some people follow racing. Some people follow baseball. Some people follow the fucking Housewives of Miami and Chicago, wherever the fuck those shows take place. I follow films. And I love films. And this is one of the reasons why this documentary series is just so much fun to me. And we got... uh, The last one came out a little bit more recently. It's a little less than a year ago. Or actually a little more than a year ago, figuring if it came out around the Halloween time um, of 2021, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's when the last one came out. So hopefully they have more coming out because you could easily go really in depth with a lot more movies. You know, it talks about RoboCop. It talks about Aliens and uh, Elf and Coming to America. You know, these are movies that made up a lot of my childhood and what made me love movies. So I would love to see more of that. Now, moving on to what are other series? Let's do all the series that I have on this list. Uh, Let me think. Let me think. I remember watching the John Wayne Gacy tapes. That was a series. Yeah, that was three episodes long. Conversations with a killer. That wasn't too bad. I wish I remembered more of it because I watched this a while ago. This came out. Not not too long ago. Was it this year? Oh shit, it was this year. It was April. Yeah, I don't remember this as well, but I did watch that and I found it enjoyable because, you know, it's nice to see something like the 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 big one that everybody was talking about for the last like year or two was, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bunny and like very few people talk about John Wayne Gacy. This goes a little bit more in depth on him and I was really I really found that enjoyable and definitely a nice little change of pace. Um along with the other one that came out about another, uh, was it a series though? Here, here it is. The Night Stalker, Hunt for the Serial Killer. Another one. Not many people talk about it. I think the only reason this this kind of got made was because they just kind of spoke about him around the time like this documentary came out. They was, I'm pretty sure he was a, a character in a recent season of, um, what's this show called? American Horror Story. I could be wrong about that based on the time frame, but I do know that that kind of led into why the Night Stalker was worthwhile to have as something to tell this story. And to me, fucking great. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, more stories about these other characters that aren't the most popularized character. You know, like, I'm really getting sick and tired of all the Jeffrey Dahmer talk. 
Granted, I know that show that came out, a lot of people like it. I'll be honest, haven't seen it yet. Don't necessarily care about it. The Night Stalker, though, that's an interesting concept because this was a dude who the only reason they caught him was because he slipped up. Like, he didn't have an, like, like, like there's, there was no motive, there was no consistency. He was just kind of going around, doing whatever the fuck he wanted, and just, like, murdering and raping and just really, like, terrorized, uh, where was it, Los Angeles. And that's what separated him from a lot of other serial killers because he didn't have an M.O. He didn't have anything to, like, follow through. They just got lucky. Otherwise, that died would have probably... This guy, um, the Night Stalker, what was his name? Uh, Richard Ramirez, he probably would have kept going until, like, he was too old to do anything. I, m- maybe I'm wrong about that, but I'm pretty certain that they only caught him because he slipped up. Again, this was a, two years ago almost now, and that's what I that's what I remember from it, and it was just really, really exciting to watch. Um, what are some other actual... Series, 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 series. Not this one yet, not this one yet, not this one yet. I'm going to hold off on these ones. This is an actual one. This is an actual one. Oh, God. So I have a couple of tabs open right now. Um, just going through the, the the documentaries I wanted to talk about just because it was easier for me to do it like this than it was to um, keep a list. And then even though I still have the list, I still pop that up. So I'm kind of checking them off as I finish them. And I'm going to the tab just in case I want to go to and find any information. Now, speaking of just really crazy stories and just crazy things that are just part of human history, Trainwreck Woodstock 99 is just, holy shit. That is a ridiculous story about what it's like to sort of not, sort of underestimate you know, what the desire is for what what you should be doing or what, how you should be taking care of people at events like this. Truthfully speaking, maybe I could go a little bit more in depth on it, but there are a lot of other, you know, things I want to talk about. And I could easily have done a, just a whole entry on just Woodstock 99 about how completely bonkers this story is and how, what was it, 99? What was I? In 1999, three... I was 12 years old in 99 and I don't remember any of this as it was coming out. But what I do, what I do know is that this is something that if I was of age, I probably would have went to this and been part of this ridiculous part of human history. Please stop what you're doing. If you're a nineties baby or if you're into like any of the music from the nineties or just this, just you've never heard of Woodstock 99. Just go and check out this documentary. It's three parts. It's totally worth it. It is really, really out out of this world. The fact that it really happened this way. And all the footage is there to prove it. And just these guys, this whole production company, how they completely fucked up what could have been a monumental event. And it's, it's just a really great story. Really great story. I also watched a couple of those uh, crime scene. Uh, I think crime, crime scene is like a series that Netflix does. Um, there was Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Uh, I enjoyed that. Only problem I had with that is kind of, you know, they extended it to be four episodes. It didn't need to be four episodes. There was so much nonsense amongst that. You know, I'm looking at the uh, the, the Rotten Tomatoes score and uh, a lot of the Metacritic stores. 
it's very much middle of the road. I would say the same thing. I think the story is crazy, but like it could have been a maybe an hour and a half, two hour special. It didn't have to be four episodes with so much unnecessary fodder to just make it longer. It's just it's just stupid. But what this is essentially, it's just this this is a story about how you can make a documentary on even the most viral videos because this is about um, Eliza Lamb. Uh, and how she disappeared, and the last time she was seen, she was in an elevator, acting very erratic, and then she leaves the elevator, and then she's found in the water tank on the roof, and the water tank on the roof is, like, sealed, like, as if nobody opened it, and somebody had to have opened it to drop her body in, but it's sealed as if that didn't happen, so it's a really bizarre story. It's worth watching, but just know that there's a lot of unnecessary information and it goes into a lot of this other other pieces of the story that just aren't necessary. Uh, what it does do, though, it, it does shine a light uh, shine a light on the idea of Internet sleuths and how well, I totally butchered that word. Internet sleuths and how they kind of played a part in kind of helping the investigation, I guess you can say, or maybe not helping, you know, give your opinion. It's it's worth sitting through. Another crime scene that I watched that came out uh, not too long after that was uh, the crime scene, the Times Square Killer. I don't remember that one all that well. I do remember that it was based on this this killer. I forget what his name was, but what he was doing was he was grabbing women from Manhattan and then driving over into Jersey, which is what caused a little confusion because you have a missing persons case in New York. And then you go to a different state and they just they just have a murder case and they don't speak to each other. So it's kind of this shining light on what it was like in the 70s and 80s when it came to, you know, police departments not communicating, you know, before databases where you can just look up in a database, you know, trying to match up victims, I guess you can say. But like they didn't do that. So they're just sitting on these cases and nobody's communicating until this guy already goes around you know, really brutalizing all these women he would be picking up in the middle of Manhattan and bringing out into Jersey. And he called himself, they called, they called him, he didn't call himself, they called him the torso killer because he would literally dismember these women's bodies. Crazy documentary. Uh, definitely worthwhile. Definitely a little bit more worthwhile than Crime Scene, the Cecil Hotel. Um, but speaking of that, let's also get into another series that Netflix has been doing, which is like really tremendous to me, at least is the untold series and the untold. They, I haven't watched all of them, but the few I have watched have been great. What, what, what does untold have so far? I think it has two volumes right now that they're working on. I'm pretty certain they've done all the ones for the two volumes. Uh, I've never seen malice at the palace. I didn't see deal with the devil. I didn't see the Caitlyn Jenner one. Crimes and Penalties, I didn't see, or Breaking Point. Those are all part of the first volume. I didn't watch any of those. I watched more of the second volume, which especially the one where the girlfriend who didn't exist. That's the very first one of volume two of the Netflix Untold series. And the girlfriend who didn't exist is about this football player who was sort of getting catfished to believe that he had like this online girlfriend. And this was a dude who was in like the, the major leagues. Like he played All-American for Notre Dame. And this whole story went viral because, like, the catfishing was just so bizarre and he believed it so dearly 
And it was just really heartbreaking for him. And the person who was catfishing him just didn't seem like they really cared. It, it's a really sad story, but very interesting. Just from the idea that, you know, somebody that major was kind of involved in something that is very much a real thing during this time and age. You know, catfishing is very legitimate. And this kind of shines, a little, his story kind of shines a little bit of light on that. I also saw the rise and fall of End One which was very, like, held very dearly to me because that whole story is my generation. You know, I come from the the end one generation. I come from those people who really rocked the end one lifestyle because we were, you know, we were all the people that lived in, like, you know, middle America, Brooklyn, not middle America, but, like, low-income Brooklyn. You know, all these kids from the New York and city streets area, everybody's rocking end one stuff. You know, like, yeah, you rock some Adidas, yeah, you rock some Nike, but there was end one everywhere, everywhere. I'm pretty sure if I dig up my junior high school photo, you'll see everybody wearing end one t-shirts. Guarantee to you, you'll see all that shit. So that story, like, I hold near and dear, and it's a very interesting story when you consider where they kind of um, went and where they kind of messed up at. It, it's an interesting, it's an interesting story. Then... Uh, I'll talk really quickly about Snowflake Mountain, another series, which I think might only be the first one. I don't think they're going to do another one because I don't know how they're going to trick these kids. And it's just really funny because I don't think it, it kind of hit the way they thought it would hit. So Snowflake Mountain is they take a bunch of like young 20 somethings and they make them think they're going to be part of this reality TV show. When really, they're bringing them out to the woods and they're making them kind of survive on their own by making them, you know, cook for themselves and clean for themselves and shower with very minimal water and catch their own food and do all this stuff. And it, it does kind of show you what it's like for them when it comes to, you know, growth. And, of course, there's money. That's how you keep them around. There's money at the end of it. So you try to keep as much money as you can. And then the winner gets that money. And then everybody as a team kind of picks who, like, improve the most at the very end. It's a very good story. In general, there are some times where you wish like they went a little bit harder on them to kind of really sell it, but it almost felt like almost all of them were acting, so there's a little bit of like, it doesn't seem real, you know, as you're going through the whole story, there's a little bit where you kind of feel like none of this really seems real, though you know these people exist in real life, that's just my opinion. And all I know is I don't think they're ever going to be able to do this again. Not even just the idea that maybe this didn't hit well enough to exceed and go further with the concept but it's just who else are you going to trick and if you're able to trick another batch of them then by all means i'll watch this again this actually gave me an idea for an even better story um in regards to like tricking people in like a competition kind of format so imagine this show i'm going to digress for a second again because i think this is a really funny idea imagine this show where it's similar to what snowflake mountain is let's say it's like Snowflake Mountain meets like America's Got Talent, sort of, like minus the audience. So you get a bunch of people who are, maybe America's Got Talent is the best example, but you get a bunch of people who think they're going on a competition show for one specific thing. So let's say you get a bunch of people that are like cake makers. They all are bakers. They make fantastic cakes. They do great cake design. And you get them in there and you're like, okay, you guys think you're on here to bake. But really, what you're on here to do 
is to like build ikea furniture and then that's the competition like they have to stop what they're doing they think they have to get out of the mindset they think that they're here to bake like you know cupcakes and you know four tier you know wedding cakes and shit like that but no what they really have to do is they have to like build a birdhouse and it's like just so so, it's just this idea that you really throw a person off when you go completely against what their sort of specialty is and you try to see what comes out of that. Let's say it's like Snowflake Mountain meets Nailed It. You just don't know what you're going to get. And like I just thought of like all these combinations that would be so funny. Like imagine getting a bunch of fucking like bodybuilders. So you get a bunch of bodybuilders and they think they're going on this this um th- th- this competition reality show for like weightlifting when really what they're going on is the competition like like and then they have to go there and they have to do like art you know what i'm saying like they have to like draw like these fantastic pictures and then like the judges are like the the owner of the the moma in new york and all this thing just these crazy really out there completely opposite of what these people are there for this is what the challenge really is you know what i'm saying like here here you go you you have a bunch of um you have a what 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 are the competition shows that are out there you get a bunch of let's say makeup artists you get a bunch of makeup artists they're here they that you make them think that they're trying to show off their makeup almost like a very you know artistic like fashion not like for like you know, you know victoria's secret or anything but like you know, maybe Jim Henson makeup, make people look like monsters and stuff like that. You get those guys, you bring them in, and it's like, okay, great, you guys are here to do a challenge, but guess what? You're not going to be doing makeup. You're going to be changing all four tires on this Ford truck. It just, just throw them off, just completely go sideways, and I just think that would be such a fun show, almost like Punked. It's Snowflake Mountain meets Nailed It meets Punked. That's, that's my perspective of what a fun competition show would kind of be. And just to see just the, the just the blood drained from somebody's face when they realize that they're not there to, to you know, bake cookies. They're there to fucking build birdhouses. I think that would be hilarious. But that's just me. So moving on, I only got a couple more. Um, what else? What else? What else? I know everybody's probably seen the American murder documentary, The Family Next Door. That's a couple of years old by now, but it is a really tragic story. Uh, this fought... Like, this is just to show why a lot of people, this story itself, shows why a lot of people kind of journalize their lives on social media because you have this paper trail now. Like, social media gives you this paper trail. And this is kind of showing what it's like to have that paper trail and being able to, like, bring justice to yourself when, you know, something really horrible has happened to you. So it's the story about this um, this man who was going through a really tough time with his wife. His wife was kind of like memorializing that on social media. She goes missing. He starts this whole campaign to go looking for her. They find her body and then he admits to murdering her and their two kids and then lying about it the whole time. It's such a really sad, sad story. And the fact that it's true is even, you know even even sadder you know the fact that all of this stuff is memorialized and these are all facts that you can find everywhere all of his news interviews when he was like you know please help me find my family and just seeing that and going this motherfucker knew where they were the whole time and that's just really upsetting and definitely watch that if you haven't you you should have by this time it's a couple of years old 
I know one that definitely made its rounds around the time it was coming out because it's a, a follow-up uh, from a documentary called Cowspiracy. I have not seen Cowspiracy. I don't care. But what I did see was Seaspiracy, and I was actually enjoying that, you know, because it does go really in-depth with, like, a lot of the shit that, like, what it what it's like for, you know, salmon farming and the... Uh, shark fin, you know, basically robbing, you know, they could, these people, I forget where, where they were um, in the actual documentary, but these people, they, they fish for sharks, they pull them out of the water, they cut off their fins and they throw them back. So the sharks just like float down to the bottom of the ocean and just like deteriorate. It's so crazy. There is a lot when it comes to what the actual facts of this, you know, documentary is that really does shine a light and it does make you change want to change a little bit of your habits for how you intake you know um uh fish as a food uh, fish oil pills in case you don't eat fish and you take the pills kind of shows you like a lot of that too uh what it's like for the populations of you know animals uh in the ocean sea turtles fish you know salmon dolphin things like that it also goes into a lot of the, you know, sustainable fishing, sustainable thief, seafood, uh, th- things of that nature and ways that these can kind of be changed. But it's shining this light on how things aren't changing fast enough and these people still kind of are doing whatever the hell they want. There is, however, just something that I really like. I can't let escape because it's just very, very. It, it's this. It's this unfortunate fact that a lot of people who watch these and take everything seriously, that they don't look at everything from like a logical perspective. And whether or not this might cause people to kind of agree or disagree with me, and maybe if you're a listener, you don't want to listen to me again, by all means, go for it. There is a scene in this show, which I have seen on many other documentaries about many other things. There's a scene in Seaspiracy where the guy who is kind of narrating and directing and who it's kind of following along, there's a scene where he's trying to get into, to have an interview or to speak with somebody that's part of this really big, uh, like agricultural wildlife and ocean life company. I forget what the company was. And they're just sort of like refusing to speak to him. And, He's kind of the, the 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 light that they're trying to shine on that is that he's saying, oh, look, what are they trying to hide? Why don't they want to talk to me? And what he what people who don't want to realize when they look at that, they actually sit there and believe, oh, yeah, why wouldn't they talk to him? What are they trying to hide? They're not hiding anything. They don't give a shit about that dude. That dude doesn't fucking matter to them. He is. He's a dude who, like, here, I'm on the documentary Wikipedia. I'm trying to find this guy's name, the guy who this thing follows, so I can go into his Wikipedia to find some sort of other information about. It's not here. There is no clickable link. Ali Tabrizi, who is the cinematographer and director of this film, there is nothing else about him. He is a nobody, and no corporation owes anything to respond to somebody who doesn't matter if you're a a journalist for a major company if you're somebody who actually has pull that them giving you the time and and spending the money because time is money to these people these are these are corporations these are government agencies if you're if they're willing to do that you have to matter 
You know, somebody like Barbara Walters matters. Ali Trevrizi does not matter to these companies, and that's where something like Seaspiracy kind of loses it for me because it's it's show it's shining this light on this idea that oh, why don't they want to talk to me? You know, they, they these are easy questions to answer. Why can't they answer my questions? Because they don't need to answer your questions. You don't matter. You know, Seaspiracy came out two years ago. This March would be two years. It came out March twenty fourth, twenty twenty one. This March will be two years it came out. I guarantee you there's a lot of people who watched it that time, gave a shit for three months, and then totally reversed it. Maybe there's a small percentage that actually did let this thing stick with them, and they totally changed how their perspective on on, on seafood, on sea life, on, on things that they didn't think about before they watched this. Same with Cowspiracy. But I'm going to tell you right now, Cowspiracy was a lot more impactful because people, like, that actually matters to people. I don't think Seaspiracy matters that much, and I don't even believe, yeah, Cowspiracy, this guy is nowhere to be found in Cowspiracy. Whoever Ali Trebrizi is, he's nowhere to be found. The guy who produced Seaspiracy is the same dude who directed, starred, and produced Cowspiracy, who's Kip Anderson. Kip Anderson is, I think, a big deal in sort of this kind of, area you know this area of like health and awareness uh he's done cowspiracy he's also done what the health which was a um a documentary film that came out years before i think cowspiracy did so this is like his forte he does this he's well known for this you're not so they don't owe you anything and i think people forget that i just think that has to be pointed out every so often oh okay just a couple more this is gonna be a long one but I'm okay with it because we're kicking off the new year right. The Tinder Swindler. This this was just a fucking stupid story. This was such a really whacked out story to think that all this was was a dude. I don't know if, who who still remembers those scams or who even falls for those scams anymore. But you remember the old Nigerian prince scams where they would reach out to you via email and say, Hi, I'm a Nigerian prince. Um, I have to head back to my country. I don't have any money. The American government won't allow me. If you give me $500 for an airplane ticket, I will send you $1 million when I get back to Nigeria or some shit like that. That's a somewhat like really more dumbed down version of what this guy, uh, Simon Lefebvre did to all of these poor women. And it's upsetting to think that there are women out there that this did sort of, you know, take hold of and he was able to get over on them that that's really the a, a huge the huge shining light and the huge the, the saddest part of this documentary is just that idea that idea that this guy exists he's still out there doing it. i think he has a girlfriend now who doesn't want to believe that this is a real thing and he just scammed these women out of so much money and it's just really really upsetting to think that it's 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 real and it really did happen and these poor women who got taken advantage of it's just really sad you should definitely watch it just so even if you're you know a woman who's on tinder you should watch this just so you can understand what the signs are and the red flags and just please know the, know a person a little bit better or at least for a little bit longer and really get an idea of who they are before you do something like what these women did it's very upsetting, and I'm not trying to victim blame. It's not their fault that this guy was an asshole. What I'm saying is that it's sad that there are women there, that if he was a legitimate person, these would be really good women 
that would take care of somebody. And he took advantage of that. And I guess he knows his clientele, I guess you want to say. He's a real scumbag. He's out there. Simon Lefebvre, you can, you can fucking suck a bag of dicks, bro. Okay. Uh, speaking of, you know, dudes who can, you know, suck a bag of dicks, we have the most hated man on the internet. How better? The most hated man on the internet. This is a documentary um, or docu-series. Is this a series? No, this isn't a series. This was a one. This was a one-off, I thought. Uh, either way, this is this follows the um, the, the uh, a man named Hunter Moore, who is the creator of this website. And what this website sort of did was it sort of was this free for all, almost like uh, social media, almost like Facebook meets revenge porn in a way. And it's just this shining light about how he like ruined people's lives and how he made this following and how he thought he was untouchable. And then, like, he got convicted, of course, and it's it's a really out there story. I actually knew more than just this one story um, about men who did this maybe in the mid, the 2000s to the 2010s and 2015s. There were a lot of dudes like Hunter Moore, I, and I think if Netflix wanted to, they can dig really deep and find some dudes who they can continue to make this series about. Hunter Moore might be the most hated man on the internet right now, but there there are other dudes out there that did the same shit, and it's actually very upsetting to to know that fact and to know that that shit like that is out there. But definitely watch the most hated man on the internet. It it it's it'll get your blood boiling, definitely. <laughs> All right, couple more. Oh, fire! Oh, the fire festival. I watched both this one for the Netflix version and the Hulu version back to back. I don't know which one I like more, but if you're somebody who was alive and conscious during 2017, or even from 2015 to 2017 and after the fact, to learn and understand what Fire Festival is, just watch these documentaries or just learn even more about what it is. Because this was one of the very few and most random things that I followed when it was happening live. And then to see these documentaries and just fill in holes that I didn't have, it's fucking nuts dude this whole story you know what i might just stop that there because i might do a whole entry on the fire festival the two documentaries and like whatever else i can find just because this is a crazy story this is just a real shiny example it's all it it was almost like what woodstock 99 was but even worse because woodstock 99 was about people who could afford tickets to a concert in the 90s this was like this very high-end sort of extravagant music festival that was supposed to compete with, like, Coachella. Like, this is a crazy story, and you should definitely check this out. Either this one or the Hulu one, they're all good. Okay, then there's two more. I got two more here on this list. Which one do I want to do first? Let, let's do this one, because this one's bizarre, and I don't want to end on a bizarre note. I'd rather end on a really nice note. So this one that I'm going to do right now is called Our Father. This is a film. Oh, man. This is kind of sick. This is a sick fucking story, dude. This is the documentary about a about a man who was a... Oh, man. This is hard to talk about just because I'm kind of like somebody who is part of maybe the ratio, you know what I'm saying? Like for anybody who's followed my wife or me, uh, we, we had to overgo some, uh, infertility stuff when it came to, 
uh, having my son. You know, we spent two years trying to have a baby, and it was really tough. Um, we spent a year, you know, with a fertility doctor who was very helpful, very amazing team uh, over there at um, Lehigh Valley. And this is the story about a fertility doctor who was apparently a religious believer, and I forget what they say the belief system was, but he believed in the idea that the more sort of sowed oats you have, the stronger your religious conviction is. And so this man who worked at a fertility center was using his own sperm to impregnate women throughout the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, I believe, because a lot of the people were finding themselves in this generation of, you know, uh, what is it? What are those DNA things? You know, 23andMe, you know, the, the, the DNA outpour that came, you know, five or six years ago. These people were finding themselves because they were learning like, oh, we have a lot of DNA in common, but who's it from? And so they all now learn that all of these women went to the same fertility doctor. And there's two things that are just really, really fucked up about this story. The first fucked up thing is that this guy never went to prison. There's apparently no law against what this guy did to support a conviction of any kind. They tried to do something against him, and I think they won. I forget what that is. But other than that, that's only a handful of the people who came forth and really tried to go against him. Other than that, he had like, I think at the end of the, the show, there was at least over 100 people who came forth and connected through 23andMe, through this DNA analysis that said, we all share the same father. Now that's the first fucked up part. The second fucked up part is one of them was, one of the women was his daughter already. So it was a, a, a mother went to him for fertility treatment. She had a daughter. That daughter grew up also having fertility issues went back to him and she got pregnant by him because he was still doing it. That I'm just a little speechless when I repeated that because that is just so fucking... Oh, that's such a ridiculous thing to know that, that exists in real life, man. Oh, just all of these people and this fucking asshole doing what he did, man. Again, this this hits a little home to me because... You know, I went through, you know, a fertility treatment. I went to a fertility doctor. The doctor, you know, doc, the, our doctor was so amazing. And to think that somebody like this was just taking advantage of that and just really ruining these people's lives. And these people grow up and their lives are ruined even more. And he doesn't give a shit. He does it because he believes in some religious aspect that the more, the the, the, the longer his family is, the more members of his family, the stronger devoted he is. Just fuck this guy. I hope so. I hope he fucking dies miserably. Like, seriously. Okay, give me a second. Um, We're going to do the last one now. Try to end this on a lighter note because this was one. This is a bit of an older documentary, but it is a Netflix special. And I want to talk about it because I'm glad I'm ending on this one because this is another movie that I just love so much. Man on the Moon was a movie from 1999 starring Jim Carrey. Starring Jim Carrey, who's... It's a biopic, 
based on the life of Andy Kaufman. And Jim Carrey plays Andy Kaufman. Now, the reason this is so interesting is because this documentary comes out in 2017. Man on the Moon comes out in 1999. So why was this long pause in between the documentary and um, the movie? I don't know. All I know is what this documentary sort of does is it gives you all this behind-the-scene footage of what it was like working with Jim Carrey on the set of that movie. Because what he really did was he got really he got really involved in being Andy Kaufman, that he was Andy Kaufman off camera. And it apparently drove everybody nuts. Nobody knew if he was going to be Andy Kaufman, if he was going to be Jim, if he was going to be one of what people believe is Andy Kaufman's, you know, other personalities. It's just this crazy behind the scenes story of one of my favorite movies of all time. And again, this is at least six years old at this point, but it is totally worth revisiting and it's totally worth watching that and then watching Man on the Moon because Man on the Moon is a fantastic movie as well. And just to know that this man, Jim Carrey, who is a legend, did all of this because he he wasn't even method acting. He was just kind of possessed by the spirit of Andy Kaufman. And I almost believe like I've seen older clips of Andy Kaufman. Jim Carrey is more Andy Kaufman to me than Andy Kaufman is. You know, it's like that old story. Uh, what is it? Um, what's this guy's name with the mustache? Uh, oh fuck, what's this guy's name? He entered a lookalike contest and lost or came in second or something. Fuck. Robert Downey Jr. did a movie about him too. I can't remember, but I'm going to digress for too long. And it's just going gonna, gonna to eat me up inside. I'm not going to remember. He had a top hat. He had a cane. Robert Downey Jr. played here. Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin. That's who it was. Charlie Chaplin entered a uh, Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest and lost. That old story? Yeah. So think Jim Carrey. <laughs> Andy Kaufman entered an Andy Kaufman lookalike contest and Jim Carrey won. So definitely watch the Jim and Andy. Uh, it's called Jim and Andy the Great Beyond. Really, really fun documentary. Really interesting to see a story like that about a movie that's really old now, um, but still great, still holds true today. And just, you know, check out any of these documentaries because there's so much fun, and I love documentaries. I love, you know, learning through documentaries and just learning these stories. I love storytelling, and documentaries do a great job about storytelling, you know, real life. And these are all real things that happen. These aren't, you know, this isn't Avatar. This isn't, you know, Marvel this isn't Star Wars. These are all real life. And sometimes real life is crazier than what they come up with in the, in the movies. You know, 